Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Blend Marketing. These friendly folks work exclusively on marketing tour and activity companies. They've just released a free ebook that shows how you can increase your direct bookings by stealing the OTA's top tricks. Check out that free guide at tourpreneur.com forward slash blend, B-L-E-N-D. Welcome to the Tourpreneur Podcast. Travel industry veteran Shane Whaley will take you on a journey with fellow tourpreneurs, sharing their tips, ideas, insights, and success stories to inspire you to make your tour business the best it can be. And now, here is your host, Shane Whaley. And welcome to episode 118 of Tourpreneur. This is the first ever Meet the ResTech series. Excited to introduce to you today, Scott Zimmerman, who is the CEO at Zola. Hi, Scott. Hi. Thank you. We're also joined by Margaret Vibbert, who is the Senior Project Manager at Brown Foreman. Welcome, Margaret. Thank you very much. You run tours to some of my favorite brands. You know, you, uh, Jack Daniels, Woodford Reserve. I mean, that's dream job. It's a dream job, no doubt. Yes, I've got a great job. <laughs> Marvelous. We're also joined today by Emily Palati. She works at Ciclo Services in Business Development in Quebec. How are you, Emily? Very good. What about you? I'm really excited and I tell you why. Like most of us, unhappy that I can't travel, unhappy that I can't go to in-person events. Everything is virtual right now. And what I wanted to achieve with Meet the ResTech, first of all, I put a survey out of our listeners and said, okay, what series do you want to hear? And I suggested some formats. This was one that got the most amount of upvotes. Our listeners are very curious about what different booking platforms are out there. And someone mentioned on our Facebook group a couple of days ago, he said, but why would somebody look at booking platforms now when most of us aren't taking any bookings? Well, now is precisely the time that Unfortunately, because of the pandemic, we're at home when most of us are not leading tours. Now we have the hour to sit down and go on a demo with different booking platforms. You know, you don't want to be looking at this during high season. You certainly don't want to change your booking platform during high season. This is why we're going to have this, this format today. And what I really try and do with, with Tourpreneur is to have an authentic, genuine conversation. So rather than have, you know, and I don't mean this in any bad way, Scott, you know, the exec on the platform at a conference telling everything about their company. I want to find out a bit about Zola from yourself, but then also talk with one of your customers, which is why Margaret is here, and also with Emily, who has shopped around for booking platforms. So hopefully in this conversation, it's authentic, it's genuine, we all learn, because it's very overwhelming for tourpreneurs out there with 160 plus at the last count booking platforms. It's one of those decisions I feel that unless there's a major problem and disruption in your business, 
you're not looking forward to making that decision of, of the plumbing, as Peter Simon calls it, and I think accurately so. I wanted to start with you, Scott. So briefly, tell us a bit about Zola. Zola is a, a booking and marketing platform for tour operators. We started back in 2011, and we first uh, got our footing in the outdoor space and then went urban and mostly focused in North America, though we have customers in Western Europe and across the world. I think that the primary passion and motivation in starting the company was really seeing technology as a democratizing force. It was a huge motivator for you. We all love travel. Uh, that wasn't what got me into this. And if anything, that's what prevents me from traveling is, is running a software company. But my primary motivation was really just to build powerful technology, you know, very enabling of small businesses um, around the world as a democratizing um, uh, tool. So that was why I started the company with my co-founder, Nesh. And which year did you start? 2011. That's quite a long time in this, really. Let me ask you the question, how do you make life easier for tour operators? It's starting with asking, really getting to know our customers and to know their pain. It really started with the discovery there. And the closer we got to our customers, thousands of hours of conversation, you learn about every little pain point they have in the operations of the business. And it really is um, what I learned when I first got into the business is, wow, it's not that big businesses are more complex. Small businesses are enormously complex. There's a whole logistics and operational burden that make running uh, companies extremely difficult. So from managing schedules and equipment, staff, um, your customers, very different, various channels. I think it really speaks to a constellation of problems. Um, and you can't solve any one singular problem they have in the operations of the business and make their life easier. You kind of need to solve most of them, if not all of them, or touch on every category. I sort of jokingly say there's no minimum viable products in this uh, space. There's only a viable product, and that is uh, unfortunately a very extensive piece of software. So it's touching in all those different dimensions. Uh, that's a pretty high-level answer, but <laughs> I think ultimately our goal, though, if I were to distill it to a high level, is like, you know, there's in the category, we save you time and headache. We can offset the burden of handling those phone calls, the payments, save you time and energy. That's one category. And the other category is building tools in the automated marketing category of helping generate more income or optimize your yield or maximize your growth. Those are two general areas. I ask you that question because unfortunately, most of us were in the bubble where we think everyone is using a booking platform. But I recently asked on our Facebook group, you know, quick straw poll, who's still using offline methods, i.e. pen and paper to take bookings. And I was floored that it was almost 50-50 response in terms of those who use online booking platforms and those who don't. Whereas on the Tourpreneur Daily Brief I send out, I ran that poll there and it was 80% of people who read the brief actually do have an online booking platform. But that was a real wake-up call for me. I think, yeah, there are still a lot of operators out there that are using pen and paper. Margaret, for you, you've been with Zola for four years, four years plus, I believe. What was the biggest pain point for you that Zola fixed? Oh, wow. Where do I start? <laughs> um, back when we found Zola, we were managing everything with a pen and paper, just as you said. I think the key driver, what made us start looking at online booking platforms back then really was more focused around the consumer, knowing that our Kentucky distilleries are on the bourbon trail. 
people like to plan their visits ahead of time. Online booking was just sort of customer expectation. And I think that's really what started us searching. But what we found is absolute tremendous you know, transformation of our operational process. Everything changed once we got Zola. And how did that shopping process look for you? You know, I presume you were given the objective, go find us some, some booking technology that will work for us. How did you go about finding Zola? Well, it's funny because my role was sort of created as a result of the marketing team who basically found Zola and our visitor centers weren't necessarily totally engaged in that project. And so they sort of pulled me in as someone who has lots of experience implementing technologies, pulled me in to sort of validate, like, is this the right decision? Are we on the right path? My normal process when I'm looking at technology, it's, it goes well beyond just the technical fit of the platform. There's so many other aspects that I look at. Things like, will it support us in the long term? What does the cost model look like, short term and long term? What does the support look like? I love a great demo. But at the end of the day, once the contract's signed and we've got a a tool in place, it's hard to get rid of making sure that we were going to be supported. All of that was really important in our decision. I think for us also, because we are global, you know, that was really a key factor for me is I needed to find a platform that could support us globally in all the countries that we're in. A lot of our visitor centers were kind of used to doing whatever they wanted. (laughs) And so standardizing a platform was another you know, feature for me. So do you think the visitor centers were just resistant to new technology and change? Was it that? You know, it's a good question. I, um, I, again, I find with technology implementations, you know, getting the configuration and getting, getting the software right is really only half the battle. The other half really is all around the change management. So um, if I were to summarize, yeah, it was basically fear of change. People not really knowing what the future was going to look like with this new tool. How would it impact my job? What will be different for me? So Zola was really an incredible partner. I think that's that's where they really proved themselves in my mind um, was not just with the great software, but partnering with us to ensure that the tool was adopted successfully and the process behind it was solid. Brilliant. Well, we'll dig into support uh, in a moment because I think that's that's really important. And again, this is why we invite you onto the show and you, Emily, because Scott's going to tell us they offer the best support on the planet, of course, as CEO. But now we get to actually speak with operators and that that's really important. Emily, what are some of the pain points you've experienced? Why do you want to have an online booking platform? Well, first of all, um, nowadays, it's very easy now to buy things online and not having a booking platform online that where people it's in a couple of minutes, they have their tour booked. And when you don't have that, then you're not winning. And right now, Cyclo Services, like in the past year, has been doing a lot of research. We were supposed to implement a new booking platform online uh, this year. But with what all happened, we said, OK, this year we're, we're sitting down and really taking even more time to reflect on what we want. So of course, it's a big pain, you know, that we don't have a booking platform that is online, but where the customer can also pay, you know, because right now it's more by form that we have on our website. Also, um, it's all about the control and organization, knowing where we are going, having uh, data that is uh, easy to find. So, for example, uh, when I arrived at Cyclo Services last year, everything, everything was 
paper and pencil, not even pen, pencil, so we could erase. It was something, you know, it, it worked. Everything was happy with it, but it asked a lot, a lot of work. And nowadays we started just having a Google agenda and just that really changed a lot of things in our store. So now we really know the importance of having something online to organize and control our reservations. Also, we are with a lot of agencies, OTAs. We want everything to be connected, but at the same time, you know, we have to find a, a partner that can do that. And uh, so this is also a pain point where we have to control the reservations on so many platforms from so many agencies. And uh, yeah, it's pretty much like the big pain points. Scott, how can Zola help Emily with some of those pain points? Well, I think you mentioned uh, some really sort of fundamental ones, right? Going from unstructured data or paper and pencil workflows, even in stepping into interim solution, there's still a categorical jump from even having something in a spreadsheet format or something like that, even if it is digital, going into a, a system that can automate a lot of that from the telephone calls that you might get directly offsetting that to your online bookings, right? That will offset probably 50% of the burden right there. And then, you know, all the payments and the processing and all of that reminder emails, there's a whole subset of communications with customers that come in the wake of that after a booking or booking modification is done, reminder emails, what to bring, what not, you know, what's excluded, just a whole like customer communications on the follow-up. Then there's distribution and the resale of your, you mentioned that, connecting, directly connecting to OTAs and, uh, and other resellers you have partnerships for. So all of those problems uh, and many solutions can solve in terms of direct, uh, there's direct integration with Expedia, with Viator, get your guide, reserve with Google, and the list can go on into the long tail of local hotel concierges or perhaps other partners that you have across the ecosystem of resellers. Uh, so mapping those affiliate resales uh, channels is also something that our platform is capable of. Um, and there may be a, a longer list. I think that once you solve these problems and getting a, get a solution in place, you'll likely unmask other problems that are born of the new operational footprint that you, you will step into. It, the layers of the onions right there. <laughs> yes, and I have a, a certain point that was really important for me. It was the fact that I would like our tour guides to receive their customer list updated, you know, uh, throughout the time easily on their phones uh, before their tour so they can learn the name of their customers. And maybe if we collect some information on the customers, for example, where they live, well, at the same time, it permits the tour guide to adapt his tour to his customers. Do you have this option with Zola? Yeah, absolutely. So another sort of giant sort of area is staff management and guide management and customer communications along with internal communications, right? So say those customers that you're taking on for a tour, you ask them questions in a custom questionnaire. It might be what, what's your lunch preference or do you have any uh, medical conditions that we should be aware of or whatever the questions are. The need to make those notes and questions need to make the answers to the question need to make their way to the tour operator, the guide. In addition to maybe internal notes like, hey, this customer is going to propose to a special note and they need to be aware of these things. So we have a guide management module that allows you to um, have your guide sign up, create their schedules, manage their availability for working certain tours. You as an administrator can assign guides to certain tours. 
Um, there's some internal layers of internal notes from like a customer level, a booking level, a group level, a tour level. Uh, that's all internal to Lillian. And then we actually have a new native mobile app. We've just uh, completed it. It's in the final stages of testing. We're going to be releasing that here very soon. I'm excited about that. So even uh, a native mobile app right, right in their hand. So I'll stop there. But yeah, that's a big area of operational burden for sure. I think really that a lot of uh, small businesses, as the big ones, it's very difficult to organize ourselves externally. So with the customers, but also internally with the staff and the agenda and the reservation management. So I'm happy to hear that you have a solution for the staff management, you know. Also, I wanted to know about we are multilingual in our business. Uh, of course, we in our we are in a French province, so people expect uh, when they speak French to see nice French written uh, platforms. And what I've seen in a lot of platforms is that sometimes it's translated, but not always well translated. And that doesn't bother me. But what bothers me is that I don't even have access to changing the words that are written. For example, to reserve or do you have a solution for like multilingual businesses we do and we actually have a solution that allows uh, that automatically collects all of the translatable items throughout our software there are two different layers one's at the software interface layer and all the language that's coming from zola that's one layer and there's a lot of a lot of translatable items there like in the tens of thousands and then there's your own copy the title of your tour the description all of the things that you input into our system that needs to be translated. So two layers can be one you control, the other you don't. For the part that you don't control, which is how we translate our software application, we use a software that, that can be managed and you can give users access to override and correct any misspellings or any things that, that aren't translated quite right. And we actually have engaged customers of ours in the past to participate in that, where we hire professional translation services where they're technical translators, very different, different sort of uh, skill set. And then customers, uh, in, in, you know, inevitably in the volume of things you translate, you get some things wrong. And then the, the, the you know, customers come out of the work to say, hey, this isn't quite right. And we give them the opportunity to correct that. And I would say I can sort of vouch for that because we um, implemented at our tequila distillery down at Casa Heredura in Mexico. And we had to go through that Similar process, but um, yeah, it's brilliant. On that topic, you are unique, Margaret, in that you have multiple locations and brands, and I say unique for most of those that listen to Tourpreneur. How was that rollout for you, so you're working with Zola for all those different locations that you have? Well, it was good. I, I would say the first one was a little scary <laughs> because we really didn't know what we didn't know. The first one we did was Woodford Reserve, and we have since, I think we've done... We'll say 12 implementations with Zola over the years. Well, and what I found was, and what I really appreciated about Zola was, again, they, they partnered with us, not just making sure the software was configured the way we needed, but they really got in to understand our business and really help us. They offered ideas about how we might change a process or, you know, maybe share some best practices of how other folks do it. The implementations were great. I'm big, I'm really big on hands-on training and training within context. I am not a fan of sitting and listening to someone talk about click here, click there, do this, do that. Uh, for me, most effective training is really the hands-on type. And I think Zola has been pretty much with us at most every implementation. 
that we've done, we know what we're doing now, <laughs> but they partnered with us all the way along the journey. So, and how was that training conducted? How was the onboarding conducted? There's a lot of setup we could do virtually, which on the setup virtually, but then it's really coming on site. So they came down to visit you to get you onboarded? Oh, yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Brandon has come down to Jack Daniels, Naradura, Slane in Ireland. Can't remember if he came to our scotches or not. This is the guy who's got the dream job. This is the guy who's got the dream job, right? Where are you going next week? Woodford Reserve. Then I'm going to Ireland. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm going to fight over that. Huge job, Yeah. You don't even have to pay the guy, right? To say, this is where you're going. <laughs> and I think, you know, I mean, obviously we've been able to establish a nice repeatable process. So we have a blueprint for what's all the information we need up front that goes into the system. We, we have brand teams that have to review compliance reviews, all this fun stuff. But then the actual, you know, getting the teams who are going to be using the software, getting them engaged it's always a fun process. And so we give them a sandbox. We've done like a style of teaching and then trying, you know, hands-on trying it out. And then Zola, you know, again, especially with launches like Jack Daniels, which is huge, the traffic never stops there. People are always coming in the door, but Zola would be there with us behind the desk as a safety net, making sure that, that the reservationists, you know, had them to fall back on with questions. I would have to say <laughs> that Every project we've done has been extremely smooth. Very smooth, yeah. Did you know every weekday Shane curates the most interesting news articles in tours and activities and sends them out in a snappy daily digest? Grab your copy of the Tourpreneur Daily Briefing at www.tourpreneur.com. Scott, how does onboarding look? Because, you know, I imagine... With Margaret's company, there's a lot of locations there. You know, you probably have a special projects team on that. But let's say I'm running a walking tour here in Burlington, Vermont. How would that onboarding look for me? Yeah, we really tailor it to the size of the company and the needs. That small walking tour can be done 100% remote. Generally speaking, we, um, we collect the information that we have a dedicated implementation uh, expert that comes in and gets all the notes about any detail of the business that we already know, requirements, if you will. And then there's generally like a template of information that we need no matter what your business is. And we provide that generally. So the first step is just in getting that base of information. We get it all in the account. We can, we can turn that around in a matter of hours, uh, generally speaking, if you've got all the information that we're asking for. And then we have phase two, which is to say, let's verify it. We jump on a call, make sure that everything is, okay, is accurate. You don't want to go live when the taxes and fees aren't set up right or if the pricing isn't quite right or scheduled. So we verify all those sort of sensitive areas and then identify any gaps that need to be patched up. And then there's that once it's been verified, when we pick a go live date, we implement your buttons if you need it. If you don't have a webmaster, or even if you do, uh, we can get them up and it's just a, insert a couple lines of code and you're done. And let's go live. And then we have a lot of enablement materials like uh, getting started guide, uh, training materials, help center, um, articles, uh, and, uh, and frequent check-ins if needed. Um, so, and we generally determine, determine sort of the size of your staff, the different roles and the users you have. And in the case of, say, Margaret's um, example, like Jack Daniels, on-site training, we have their reservationists, their guides, their guide managers, their accountants, their different users, and maybe a lot, much larger staff where we would come on site and break it into sort of working sessions and computer terminals. And we actually have people uh, go through sort of hands-on 101 for their user type, if, if you will, their role. 
Those vary. Those are the two extreme examples. What are your support hours? Let's go back to the walking tour operator or a bike tour. What are your support hours for those customers? 24-7, we've got uh, offices uh, in Bangalore, San Francisco, Houston, and Belgrade, and then some remote workers as well. Obviously, that's different now in the world of COVID. We have a growing team in Serbia. They're just phenomenal. Like Their English is impeccable, and their work ethic is amazing, and they're extremely knowledgeable and smart and hardworking. So uh, we've had nothing but great, and I think they've just been tracking it objectively, like, we track customer satisfaction scores, like our CSAT scores for all of our tens of thousands of tickets in the trailing 20,000 tickets is 96% satisfaction score. So I think that we're looking always at, at objective measures, like, like you said earlier. I want to think that we're, we excel in these areas. I want to make sure that that's really tied to a reality. Do you offer your own payment gateway or how does that work with Zola? We do with a reason. We, so we work uh, with Stripe directly. We have... At high volume, we've negotiated down like very competitive rates. We extend a 1.9% uh, plus 30 cent credit card transaction fee across all card types. So including Amex and some of the perks cards, which if you look at interchange plus, so we're, we're actually like industry low rates. That's our processor. And that does a uh, footnote there is it does vary as you go in countries outside of Western Europe as well as North America. So just a disclaimer there. Sure. So what is your payment model at Zola? A transaction model. So we have the ability to assess a fee to the guest or sellers that uh, want to internalize that fee that can pay it themselves. And depending on your business uh, dynamic, we can sort of spread that out over either just bookings on checkout or we can do a lower fee across the checkout and back office bookings, depending on sort of where your volume sits. So we, we generally have found a way to make that a very reasonable configuration. My business mind is ticking over here. So during COVID, where you know vast majority of operators are not taking any bookings, how are you guys surviving if you're living on the, the added fees on the transaction? Reasonably okay through COVID. And I'm grateful for that because you just, you know, in the middle of April and May, obviously the you know, our industry has been rocked. We have a pretty diversified customer base. The one thing is what is the market doing? The other is how are we doing as a company? We're doing quite well. The market is torn up, and, I, and I'd say that we see that there's activity in the outdoor space, for example. There are a lot of regions of the country that are still operating, even in a socially distanced way. They're just maybe at half mass. Our model accounts for, I think that we run a pretty lean enterprise from a cost perspective. So we're a very healthy business. Even in the changes we've made in the last couple of years, have allowed us to operate in a very lean way, such that even in a down economy, we're, we're still in a cash flow positive uh, state right now. So I'm grateful for that. But I do know that like that's not spoken with any strident or anything. It's more of uh, gratitude and also with appreciation that things can change like in a heartbeat. And we have a lot, of, we have a long way to go still. So I think it's, um, we've just been really focused on our customers through this. How do we build the tools and focus all of our resources towards helping our customers as best we can? And maybe using this downtime to really build new amazing tools and improve things. Take the things that were like not urgent, but strategic and important and really focusing on those. Because I think all, a lot of businesses out there, customers really need to help right now. So we're doing what we can to help them out. Definitely. 
Emily, how important is that payment model for you when you're shopping around? Are you looking for that booking fee added on or are you looking to pay a monthly fee? How does it look like for Cyclo? I think it depends because I like the fact that we have the option of taking the fee ourselves or adding it to the the bill. Of course, I am not for adding it to the customer because the customer comes in the shop, that person won't be paying that fee. For me, it's important to know exactly at the end of the day how much we will pay. If it is a fee uh, for every sale, then it is a fee for every sale. But at the same time, it must be lower than, for example, what the OTAs take because or else I'll be continuing taking reservation myself, you know. But for sure, if the service that comes with that fee is very good, well, then it is an investment. It's not a fee, you know. So for me, it's very important that coming with a fee, their service, but at the same time that it's still reasonable compared to the OTAs. For the monthly fees, of course, at our shop at Cyclo Services, we especially have customers from May to October, depending on the years. Like this year, it's like, I don't even want to say it. You know, we had maybe a couple of customers more uh, like in May, June, then July, August was not so bad. But right now with cruise ships not coming over in Quebec, well, September and October uh, is very slow. So I would be happy to pay the fee instead of the monthly payment because at the same time, I don't want to pay when I don't have any customers. I think it's a very wise model. Now it always depends on the, the fee itself. And Margaret, how does it work for you? Are you passing that on to the customer or are you absorbing the, the fee on your ticket prices? We absorb the fee. Yeah, we, there's been a decision not to pass that along to the customer, but Zola has paid for itself many times over. So it's negligible to us. And I have a question about refunds. Throughout COVID, Margaret, did you have a lot of refunds to do and how was it managed? Do you do it? Directly, or you have to pass through Zola, or how did it work? Yeah, well, unfortunately, yes, we had tons of refunds that we had to issue all around the world. Unfortunately, it's a very, very seamless process. Actually, you hit cancel, <laughs> and the refund flows through. That's what we need as a business, you know that that a refund is easy to do. So I'm happy to hear that it was easy on, well, must not have been easy uh, in that case, but at the same time, if the process is easy at that point, it's a pressure less on your shoulders, you know? One thing to add to that, because I know that maybe the experience that you're, there, there's another experience too of many businesses that are, that we saw in, in mass. Um, but people, you know, they have a lot of bookings for future dates and they've taken that money to deposit in the bank account and they have to unwind it all. A very common problem was a lot of accounts were running to the zero balance and they couldn't go in the negative. Initially, we responded very quickly to that, allowing people to send us either ACH or wire and then crediting their account, allowing for that to happen. That still, we, we saw like there was, you know, an inherent delay of going from party A to party B and then B to C, such that we actually built a tool that we recently, uh, we're going to be releasing in the, um, in the next week or so. That basically, if the, this ever happens again or on an ongoing basis, it can be a straight, easy way to credit your own account and bring your balance up to a sort of a pool of money against which you can make refunds when you have no money coming in the door. And then additionally, you can set an escrow or a refund reserve, we call it, where you can artificially hold your funds in Zola such that you can make money. Usually, uh, the run-of-the-mill cancellations, which might on average be around 8% in sort of normal 
world, every business is different. Whether dependent ones might see higher or lower, but generally there's a money coming in the door that keep your balance sufficient to process any run-of-the-mill cancellation refunds you have on a given day, such that you don't need that functionality. But you know, obviously, COVID and and some of the the curveballs have been thrown at us have have changed that dynamic a little bit. So we have tools around that. So help me understand that and some of our listeners then, because I don't want to assume the knowledge here. So let's say I have a refund that comes in. With Zola, so you've already, you've taken your 6% and you've sent the remainder to whatever fee is and you've sent the remainder to the operator and then you need to claw that money back from the operator to pay the refund. Is that correct? That's right. Ultimately, it comes to the two, two accounts that you to focus on. One is the, the account of the tour operator and the other is their balance within Zola. Because keep in mind, as you're processing money, it will accumulate a balance. We pay out on a, every 24 hours. Imagine then let's go back to say the, the day they announced, you know, the lockdown, right? Let's say in the US at least. You've taken in five thousand dollars worth of bookings for the next uh, several weeks, and then there's a lockdown. That the, the two weeks in front of you, they're gonna call the cancel. And let's say all that money has been deposited into your bank account, your Zola account is now zero. Now you have to process those refunds, and that's where you run into the limitation. So then you would have to claw that back, as you mentioned, which include our fees. We refund our fees and the full cancellation refund. So you would, in that case, it was what was different is that no new bookings were coming in or diminished, and then it didn't fill up your balance. So then that required kind of an unprecedented dynamic, right? We hadn't even seen this uh, in the nine-year history been around, that um, we'd have to have funds wired back. Actually, a couple times, forest fire, hurricanes, we have seen it in isolated cases where some accounts would have to cut us a check or send money back. But yeah, that's, I don't know if that was a clarifying answer for you of like what this. No, it was because, uh, you know, during this situation, there was one ResTech company that will remain nameless because I don't fancy getting sued. And I'm still getting emails from some of their customers who are saying, hey, I'm waiting six months on a refund. And that is very worrying because it's not the ResTech company that's going to get the bad reputation. It's the operator or the attraction. Because luckily, the people who wrote to me, they were aware of the situation. So good on them. But the vast majority are just going to blame the, the operator or the attraction or the activity. So Yeah, it is unfortunate. And I'd say like the cancellation refund crisis, if you will, I mean, that hit every company from the operator level to the res tech level to even companies that are huge and well-established. I mean, and public, right? Public knowledge, you know, it hit the, the Marriott hotels and the Airbnbs of the world. It was, and I think that you saw that we had, we had to respond quickly and decisively to make sure that that was not a problem, at least in our camp, because it, it, it was a problem that hit everybody. And so we had to, we put in place like within hours of that, just like operations that, you know, on the fly. And though it's hard to, to understand with clarity, like, are we making the right process? Are we, are we building the right process and communications around this such that the impact can be minimized for the reputation of our customers and the guest experience uh, for their guests and then for our company all the way to the chain? I just got a couple of quick, maybe yes or no questions I've been sending from listeners. So will customers stay on my site to pay or be redirected elsewhere, Scott? Stay on site, yes, no redirection. Can I create and distribute voucher and gift codes with your software? Yes. Can I sync my bookings with my own calendar, such as Google Calendar? Yes. What distribution channels do you offer? 
TripAdvisor, Viator, Expedia, Get Your Guide, Reserve with Google. There's a new one uh, coming out that I'm not allowed to mention. <laughs> Actually, there are a number in the pipeline that I'm not uh, that are going to go live here soon. But those are the those are the big ones. Okay, great. Margaret, question for you. And don't feel awkward or uncomfortable with this because this is your opportunity to ask this question. What is the one feature or function you wish Zola would offer that they don't currently? A company like ours, we have two main things that we do from a tourism perspective What with regards to our visitor centers. We have tours, which Zola beautifully manages all aspects of our tour business. But in the same space, we have beautiful gift shops where our customers can come and purchase our products. And I would love to have one system to do both because from a consumer perspective, they want to buy a tour and a t-shirt at the same time. And right now we've got two different platforms managing that. And so operationally, it's just a little clunky. But again, I, I totally understand each of those systems and each of those platforms has a lot of complexities built into it. And But Scott, if you can find a way... <laughs> Give me an all-in-one. I would love that. Yeah, we, we've, we've got it on our list and you're safe in numbers because it is, it is a very popular request. And while it's fine for add-ons like chapstick umbrellas and hats and sunscreen, it's totally different for a whole gift shop, the scale you're talking about. But we've heard that increasingly so from a lot of customers. So it's definitely bubbled to the top of our list. Can I add one more thing? <laughs> she's gonna get it in, in on air right record it no but it's, it's it's a conversation it's been very top of mind lately uh, in our company we would love so again tour bookings happen online it's perfect we would love to be able to say would you like to pick up an engraved bottle and to have some kind of plug-in or feature that where they could type in what they want and see what it would look like and have it waiting for them after their tour so add-ons are great, and we, we love add-ons. It's simple functionality, but if we could bump it up a little. Yeah, okay, got it. <laughs> Thank you, Shane, for the opportunity. Also, in our case, we were looking for a platform that could do both, you know, POS at the same time as uh, being the booking, uh, the tour booking platform, because having everything at the same spot is so simpler. You don't have to extract the data. You don't have to uh, to calculate if everything balances. If everything would be at the same spot, it would be better. But at the same time, if separating the services makes it better for now well that's what we have to take but for sure if we had everything at the same spot it would be amazing because you've got a, a bike shop and you sell gear and you've got things, yeah. and also in our case we also have a bike service and repair and we also have bike rentals now bike rentals is a totally different world but yet if we could uh, do the, the ourselves all at the same spot it would be really great yeah who are you using for your POS now? I'm curious. In our case right now, it's a very old technology, uh, but we are going in uh, with Zoe, Zoe 1 next year. What I like about Zoe 1 is a little bit like Zoe, um, we can really adapt a little bit everything to us. Or we're going to try to integrate everything all together with our uh, Zoe 1 platform. Scott, one of the most popular episodes, and this surprised me actually, of Torpreneur was a discussion we had about should a booking system be independent? Obviously, you're a proponent of that. <laughs> Why do you feel operators should work with a booking system that is independent? 
Yeah, I think that the role, if you go down to the fundamental problem that we're solving, you want to be pure about mapping the fundamental problem with the solution they provide. The problem that we're trying, we're, the reason why we exist is to always serve the commercial need, like to basically make superhuman our customers to enable them to do the best business, to streamline their business and to get them in as many revenue growth opportunities as possible and support their business needs, right? If you are part of a, a party that doesn't serve that need, that has a specific incentive that skews to one direction, then I think that that definitely corrupts the long-term viability and soundness of that partner. For example, if I'm a booking system that charges 3% or 6% or whatever, and then I'm owned by a company that, that makes 20% or 30% commissions off of selling it through their channel, then what will inevitably happen over time is every feature, every major move they make as a company will be in service of the 20%, not the 3%. I mean, that's, that's an obvious. There's, so I think that it depends what you define as a conflicted party. Like I wouldn't define, say, like even like the, in the payment processing space would be non less, far less conflicted in the e-commerce space, not conflicted. That's where I think it's, it's not just being acquired by a major company. It's just that, is it in conflict to, in the OTA space, I think is one a particular area where there's a flag conflict. And I agree with that. Sure. And final question for you, Margaret, for a listener who is shopping around for a new booking platform system, why do you recommend Zola? I work with dozens of software partners in my, in my job. Zola not only has a very solid product that's stable and robust and continually being improved. Thank you, by the way, Scott, for the liability waivers that you just released. Very helpful for us. There's a continuous improvement kind of mindset that I feel like the company has. You know, early on when we started working with them, there were a number of things we said, we would love to see this. We would love to do that. And they listen to us and they continue to listen to us. Uh, they don't always say yes all the time. They say no to certain things that don't make sense. And I actually really respect that. I'm always leery of software vendors who promise everything. Oh, we'll build it for you. We'll, we'll do everything. That scares me a lot <laughs> because sometimes we don't know what we're asking for. The support has been amazing. The people at Zola are great people. I've, I've worked with lots of, you know, there's Jessica, Ashley, Brandon, I've mentioned but on the phone with Anosha a couple of times, she's helped us out with some things. Good people, just a great company. The culture seems great. Uh, the support's excellent. And, you know, it's funny because we have Zola competitors constantly calling either me or my director or the VP over our home places, trying to find a way in. And every, every time I think people just say, there's no reason to move off of Zola. We have absolutely no reason to look for anything else. That's a huge compliment, Scott. I have a question for you, Scott. <laughs> Can I have an appointment? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. No, we'd love to. I would love to have a, a conversation for sure. Yeah, let's do it. I'll follow up by email. And that is the goal of this conversation. I love that you've asked that, Emily, because I hope other listeners will have taken a lot away from today's episode and hearing you all and saying, right. I want to take time to find out more about the system. Not, yeah, I'm going to sign up tomorrow. It's like, yeah, we have this time now. In the past, 
as we're leading our tours and, and running our attractions, you know, to have that hour for the demo, it's, it's hard to schedule that in, but now we do have the time. And I urge everyone to, you know, check out demos of all the booking platforms that are out there. Scott, my final question for you is, there are 160 plus competitors of Zola out there. Everything you've said today sounds great to me. There hasn't been any areas where someone's asked you a question, you don't offer that other than, you know, the magic wand stuff that Margaret wants. Um, for the thousands of tour operators that listen to the Tourpreneur podcast and are watching the, the YouTube channel, what are your final words to them? What do you want our listeners to remember about Zola? Our passion and our greatest strength. We are a customer-obsessed organization from the very top to the bottom, whether it's support, product, and we, we are very attentive to our customers. We are passionate about building the most powerful software that's the most intuitive uh, software to use. Our, I co-founded this company to build the most enterprise-level, sophisticated tools and offer it to every kind of business, no matter if you're a single proprietorship or a public company and make that intuitive. So complex, sophisticated tools that are super easy to use. And so I think that one is to not look at just checking the boxes on the capabilities of the software, because it can all look very similar in its feature set. It's the look and feel, and then also sort of choosing a long-term partner. So I'd say choose your technology as you would choose a long-term partner. No one's perfect, but yeah, you know, I think that it, it's a it's a long term relationship. So those are the guiding lights that we uh, that we have here. I love that analogy because I often say that very often when you're getting res tech, most of you offered the same technology, but it's about the chemistry you feel, and that's why. I'm hoping people are listening to the show. I think I really like Scott. I like the way he's running his business, et cetera. That that's when you want to work. We saw it at arrival where people hitting the network lounge, talking to all the res tech systems that are there. It is that chemistry. And you can tell, you know, pretty soon on when you're having the demo, yeah, this is the kind of company I feel comfortable working with. So I love that analogy of the, the long-term partnership, Scott. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Scott. I almost called you Galaxy then, Emily, because you've got Galaxy there and then your <laughs> Zoom name. Uh, Emily Galaxy, that's your, new, that's your new name. And Margaret, thank you so much for coming on today and helping us to have this authentic conversation. If you go to tourpreneur.com forward slash 118, I will also add some websites that are using Zola right now. So you can go and check out Zola in action as well as links to Woodford Reserve and Jack Daniels and to Ciclo Services as well. And if there are any questions that I didn't ask Scott today, you know, do drop me a line, shane at tourpreneur.com. This is your show. I want to, you know, really produce authentic conversations. So let me know or come on our Facebook group, 2000 plus tour operators on there at tourpreneur.com forward slash Facebook and subscribe to this YouTube channel if you're watching this on YouTube. So you'll get these notifications when we uh, produce the next Meet the Res Tech. So thank you all for joining us today. Thank you so much, Anne. Thank you. Good luck, Emily. See you next time. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Torpreneur podcast. Be sure to visit torpreneur.com to join the conversation and access the show notes, including links to the resources mentioned on today's episode. This is Torpreneur.